Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hey Ivy, I want to welcome you wherever you're meeting. It was great to be all together last week, but today we're back in our different locations, um, helping people find their way back to God in all kinds of different ways in lots of different places. And today I'm bringing a video message, which is kind of between series to help us to get ready for the next one. But also God really wants to say some great stuff to us today. What's our aim? wherever we meet as church what is it that we're about you see sometimes people could think well all we're about we wanted we just want people to to come to church if we can get people to come to church that'd be great because there's lots of places lots of churches to be honest with you they're not doing that not not really getting anybody to come to them they're they're declining um we just looked at that in, in this amazing launch conference that we just had but what we said there was the wrong aim is just to get people to come to church so you might think oh well obviously we want people to actually decide for themselves to say yeah i want to follow follow Jesus I want to um, you know to, to, to put a hand up or whatever to respond to become a Christian I'll put that down there you know to say a prayer of, of commitment to um, a, a, a Jesus Christ that's what we really want we want people to do that and that's a wonderful thing we celebrate that we want to do that you know today if you've not done that that's really important that you make that decision cross the line of faith or maybe actually after that people say, well, we want people to do like an alpha course, which helps them to understand what it is to be a Christian. Or perhaps we'd say, well, actually, we also want them to do uh, freedom in Christ. There's loads of people in, in Ivy that have done freedom in Christ to help them discover what it is to live out the fullness of, of being a Christian. And that's important, too, that, we, that we, we can do that. But again, that's not, you know, that's a good aim. But really, what we'd say is we want people to be a disciple. And a disciple, really, the Greek word for that, methetes, basically means learner so it's just somebody who puts the l plates on and says i'm learning to follow jesus and obviously that's a, that's a great thing that's what we, we we want to aim for people to to not just say yeah once i want to become a christian but to live it out and to actually be one but then i look at the bible and it says in matthew 28 right at the end of that gospel jesus says what his aim is now he's talking to some disciples here and he says to the disciples what he wants them to do this is his aim he took them up a mountain he gave them the view of if you like as far as the eye could see in all kinds of directions this is like his last word as he leaving planet earth and it says all jesus came and spoke to them and said all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. That word doesn't just mean observe like watch, it actually means obey. All things that I've commanded you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. So it seems that Jesus' aim for that is not that even that just we would become disciples, but that we would become um, disciples who make disciples, if you like, that we would not just be content ourselves to be a follower, but that we would be helping other people find their way back to God, and that we would, as well as keeping the L plates on ourselves, we'd also give the L plates out to others and say, let's learn what it is together in community for us to be able to follow Jesus and to obey the things that he's teaching us. So, you know, are you a disciple? That's amazing. That's good news. If you're not, that you can be. Basically, you put on the L plate. You say, Jesus, I want to learn what it is to follow you and to live out living, loving you 
every day of the rest of my life. So where are you on this? Can I ask you that? Are you just somebody who's checking this out, just started to come to church? You're welcome, but there's, there's more for you to do that you could give your life to Jesus Christ. We actually mentioned, Jesus mentioned the word baptism in there. We love to baptize people as a sign of a new life, that, that you can have this, this old life go, new life comes. Do the Alpha course, which got one starting in January. Freedom in Christ course, loads of people have done that. It really helps people to, to live out all the possibilities of God. But ultimately, we're aiming at helping people to be disciples who make disciples. And how do we do that? Well, one way, what we've just recently started to do is in lots and lots of our services, and get used to this because it's going to be asked an awful lot in all kinds of different settings. We're asking what we call in the discipleship question, which is this. What did God say to you this week? As you read the Bible and, oops, and what are you going to do about it? Forgive my scruffy handwriting, but I think you can read that. See, there's some assumptions here. This basically assumes God is real and that he's alive and that he's powerful and that he speaks to us. And the way that he speaks to us, he speaks to us in all kinds of ways, but one way that is the best way, the clearest way, is through this, this book, through the Bible. There's also an assumption that you're reading it. Um, that you're not just having bits of it read to you on a Sunday by somebody like me, because I can read the Bible to you, but I can't read the Bible for you. And I'd say that if, even if you're like, I don't even believe there is a God, I'm not sure there is, I, I challenge you to start reading the Bible every day. He will speak to you. It will be loud and clear. It will be unmistakable. The question won't be, is God speaking? The question will be, what am I going to do about it? Um, so if, if, you know, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to do that and to, to ask this question of one another. And it could be as you hear that, you kind of think, well, I haven't had time or whatever. I haven't read the Bible. Just be honest about that and talk, tell the other person about that. Maybe they can pray with you that next week, this week, there'll be an opportunity, more time for you to be able to do that. If you say, I don't know where to start. I don't know. What, I haven't even got a Bible. Well, you can, that's what your phone's for. You can download it free. There's the version app on the, that you can get onto your smartphone smartphone or onto your computer. There's a, there's a Bible in one year. That's what I do with Zoe in the morning. We listen to Bible in one year. It's a free app. Um, you can also have uh, helps and commentary together with that if you want to, or just read the Bible, because ultimately this is what it's about. We're expecting God to speak and he will. And if you haven't got a Bible and you'd like one, come and talk to the person who's leading the, the site where you're at and we'll be able to help you to get one. So I, that's all well and good, but I want to do it as an example for you of, of the kind of thing that, that, that this could work out at just as an example so I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading it every day I'm reading something from the Old Testament something from the New Testament because it's all God's Word and I'm actually not just reading it for information I'm expecting revelation I'm expecting God to speak to me and, and that God wants to speak to me and help me and guide me to do what Jesus says and to learn to live as somebody who's obedient to him and so he's going to tell me things show me things and help me to live more and more like that to teach me to live for him with the L plate on. So I'm reading in the Old Testament a couple of chapters. I'm reading in the New Testament a couple of chapters. I'm doing this every day. Whether I'm busy or not, this is my practice for years and believe it or not, I'm also busy. 
I'm reading in the New Testament. I'm reading in Paul's letter to Timothy. This was, happened to me just the other day. As I'm getting near the end, I read this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So remember what Jesus said. He told the disciples they were learning to obey what he commanded and then they were supposed to go and command, they were supposed to help other people to do the same thing too. So they'd be disciples making disciples. So as I'm reading this, I'm not just reading it for interesting information. I'm not actually that bothered, to be honest with you, at this stage about the Greek construction of the verbs or some deeper, deep theological meaning behind them. To be honest, it's pretty clear what this verse says. Whatever translation I read it in, if I'm asking with the attitude that says, God, what do you want me to do? Not just what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do about this? That's always challenging and I, he will always speak. And the word rich jumps out at me here because I might immediately write myself off as that applying to me. When it says command those who are rich, especially in the run up to Christmas, I don't feel like I've got much to be honest with you. It's easy for me to write myself off as I'm not on the rich list, so therefore I'm not rich. And I bet lots of you do the same thing too. But then again, I think about it in world terms. I think about it in the places that I've seen, people that I've met in all kinds of different nations as I've traveled to India and parts of Africa and, and Haiti. We're going out again out there in January. And, and this would indicate that the person who's being commanded here perhaps would be somebody who's rich because they stand in front of an open wardrobe sometimes and wondering out of all of these clothes, which goes best with what, rather than I haven't got any other clothes. Or anybody who went shopping sometime, not because they needed something, but because they just wanted something, or they wanted to buy something for somebody else, or even just kind of to relax, believe it or not, some people do that. To buy more when I already have enough means I have more than enough. It means in world terms, I'm rich. In world terms, the fact that I've got a smartphone, the fact that I have a computer, the fact that I, I have a car, all of that is putting me in the rich category. So the question here is, God is asking me behind all of that, where's your hope? Is my hope in the budget, in, in, the, in what the government do? Is my hope in Brexit, that that works out really well? Is it, is it in my savings? Is my hope in my pension scheme, ultimately, really? Is it in my job, my boss? Is it in me being smart enough, working hard enough to be able to keep my job? Is that really where my hope is? And this says, and it hits home to me maybe a lot more in the run-up to some a time like Christmas, when we're being encouraged by all the advertisements to spend, spend, spend like crazy, that happiness and joy won't necessarily come by me getting more or spending more. Because there's an equation that seems to be out there that basically says, get money plus um, spend money on yourself or on others equals be happy. But this Bible passage says that doesn't add up. So maybe actually this wealth stuff, this riches idea, should have a, a health warning attached because what happens is I could start to link my acquisitions and my achievements and all those things and, and kind of make them my hope. And this is the problem with that is those things are so uncertain. They could all be taken away. And the things that I buy, the, the money that I get, the money that I spend in the end, 
if I put my hope in that, this says it, it could make me more, it could make me become arrogant in the sense of being self-sufficient, like I don't really need God very much. Unless it all goes wrong, of course, and then obviously I do want him heavily involved because I want him to come to my rescue financially or whatever it is because the investment failed or I lost the job or it all went down the pan. That shows when that happens where my hope really was. What if the money goes away? Does my hope go with the money? So this seems, as I'm reading it, God's commanding a different way for me to think and live and act about everything. And the Bible says there's another way for me to be rich here. And again, God uses that word rich a few times, actually, as I read on. First of all, it says he provides everything richly. Why? For my enjoyment. God loves me. Everything good that ever came in my life, every blessing came from the hand of God. Directly or indirectly, it all comes from him. So if that's the case, who should I really put my hope in at Christmas or, or any time of year, any time in my life? This says I should put my trust and my hope in God, not in riches. So maybe I could write that out as I'm wanting to do this for obedience, I could write it out somewhere to, and put it a note on my phone or whatever to remind me every day, especially in the run-up to Christmas, over every spending decision that I'm going to make, over, over every worry that I might have about, about money or wealth or whatever, I could write that I, I won't trust in riches. But I'm going to trust in God. who richly provides. Would that change the way I look at wealth and, I was going to say my money, but ultimately it comes from God, it's his money. So now when I'm shopping, going online or whatever, when I'm going to buy for something, I can say it to obey it. I won't trust in riches, but in God who richly provides. That's, that's like, but again, that can just stop there. That can be knowledge, if I'm not careful. How do I do that? How do I obey that? Because remember, being a disciple is not just about getting more knowledge. It's about obe obedience, doing something about it. So if I look at the next verse, the very next verse, this is just two verses out of the Bible, but how challenging is this? The Bible gives us the answer step by step as to how I do that practically in my life and how you can do it in, at this time of the year. And you don't need to be an expert in the Bible. You don't need to have some deep theological knowledge. You don't have to understand the Greek or go to theological college for years. All those things can be done. I'm not, I'm not dismissing knowledge, but, but obedience trumps knowledge every, every day. This is really about not how much do I know. It's about will I choose to do what I know? Verse 18 says this. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. That's like the antidote. This is like another way to be rich. You know, we could break it down one by one, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. So it's like there's a different equation, there's a different uh, way that being rich, that this, this adds up, which, which basically says, do good plus be generous. equals be rich. A new way to be happy. How much does that have to cost? 
I heard a pastor a few weeks ago tell a story. He's like a, uh, he helps people with stewardship and generosity, like Catherine Proudman does here at Ivy to help people to champion that value of stewardship of everything that we have of our gifts, including our money. And this guy, that was his job in this church. And he was telling the story about how he'd helped a lady who has been in debt, like we help Cap through, through Gail Jackson, the great work she does. This lady had gotten herself in all kinds of terrible trouble. As you went to go and speak to her, he said that, uh, she said, look, Christmas is coming up. I'm sorry, I've been working the plan as best I can, but now I'm going to have to get in debt. And, and he said, why? Why would that be? He says, well, because I've got four grandchildren and I have to spend money I've not got in order to buy them presents. They're going to expect presents. I can't be that grandmother that doesn't give them a present. I haven't got any money for it. I'm going to have to just, you know, get some money off uh, a loan shark or something to be able to do it because nobody else is going to give me any credit. Now, he could have just helped her out, but instead he gave her an idea. He said, well, why don't you do something different? Why don't you actually look at the gifts your, your grandchildren actually already have and help them to be thankful for them by reminding them of them? So what this lady ended up doing was she got a pen and some paper and she wrote out an individual letter to each of her four grandchildren, just telling them how much they were loved, what she saw in them, the gifts that God had put into them already, and just, just loved them and told them how amazing they were and that she was praying for them and that this Christmas was going to be the best Christmas ever and she was praying that that would be the case, but that they'd always know the love of God and that in, in the fullness of time they'd come to know his love and that they would use all of their gifts. And she would list all of the wonderful stuff about those children. When Christmas Day came, she said, each of those grandchildren individually came to her and said, Grandma, those letters that you gave us this Christmas were the best gift I've ever had. See, this is a different way for us to look at rich, to be, to be generous, by, by, to, do, to do good things. We're about to start a brand new series for Christmas. It's based on a Christmas carol, that timeless, amazing story. We're going to link it to Bible stories that are going to help us to see what we all need to see at this time of year, that there's a way, especially for us who are Christ followers, maybe something we encourage people at Ivy, we say we rain it in at Christmas. You don't have to spend it all. You don't have to splurge it all at Christmas. Rain it in at Christmas. Don't take on more debt at Christmas. Don't go crazy for it. Don't buy 10 when one will do. Make one. Do something else. Be imaginative. Rain it in at Christmas, give it in in the new year. We have a first fruits offering. This isn't because we've got some need as a church, it's because we want to be generous and we, we do incredibly good things with the money that comes in from Ivy First Fruits. So I'm going to give you soon uh, like a rundown of some of the things that we've recently done and it will blow your mind, the great stuff that happens, only because people rain it in at Christmas, give it in at the new year as a sign that I want to give my first and best to God. And people give generously and people give sacrificially as a sign that, that actually I've found a new way to be rich. So over and above what I would normally give to Ivy, uh, I'm going to give into the first fruits. You know the story about Scrooge, about the man who learned the new way to be rich. And it's so linked to what God says right here in the Bible. And it's going to be amazing. But for now, thanks for listening to that. Ask yourself the disciple question. Not about this, not about the things that I've, I've put on here, because to be honest with you, that's what I'm wrestling with right now at the moment as I'm in the run-up to Christmas, because that's what God said to me as I was reading the Bible this week. What about you? What did God say to you this week as you read the Bible? And what are you going to do about it?